Do you have a wet basement? You've got a problem. Not only are you inviting toxic mold, a flooded foundation can raise serious structural issues. But here's the good news. Jackhammers and backhoes and other drastic measures are probably not in your future if you read our tips for sealing your basement. Hit moneybit.com, click on Ideas and Tips, then click Repair and Improve. And for answers to any home improvement or home repair question, give us a call right now, 888-MONEYPIT. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Don't look now, but your home improvement project just got easier. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Call us with your home improvement question. Call us with your do-it-yourself dilemma. Call us with something that's really bugging you about your house and let us get to the bottom of it. We'll give you the tips, the advice, the inspiration, the empowerment to get those jobs done. Coming up this hour, the scoop on laminate floors. Are you considering a wood floor? Are you short on cash? Well, you can have the look of hardwood for less money with laminate. Find out why Consumer Reports magazine says sometimes laminate is even tougher than hardwood. Plus, we're going to have a few design tips that will make your life easier and help make your home safe and secure for people and visitors of all ages. Speaking of safety, you probably have smoke detectors in your house. But if you're like most Americans, you hardly think about them. Are they working right? Are they in the right place? Find out in just a few minutes when we talk to Richard Roll, the CEO of the American Homeowners Association, about a really interesting program they've got going on right now to put a smoke detector in every house. And I don't know, Money Pit listeners, are you aware that October is Indoor Air Quality Month? That's right, it is. There's no Hallmark card yet, but we're working on it. And we're calling it Indoor Air Quality Month because as this time of year comes around, you're closing the doors, closing the windows, sealing the gaps and cracks, and you're locking yourself in for the winter. But you're also locking yourself in with lots of dirt and bacteria and particulates that could make you and your family sick. So what so, do we do, Leslie? Well, we're going to be giving away a great prize if you log on to MoneyPit.com and sign up for our clear the air sweepstakes you could win an april air model 5000 electronic air cleaner with installation it's a huge prize worth a thousand bucks also this hour we're giving away a whole kit of dap products including caulk weather stripping and lots of products to help you get your home sealed up and ready for winter weather so let's get going leslie who's first Doug in Nevada's got a plumbing problem. What happened? I'm planning on building a second home in the mountains next spring, and I'm trying to determine what plumbing system to install. And I'm considering the, uh, installing the traditional copper pipe plumbing, but I also am looking at the PEX flexible tubing. And I'm just wondering if you've had any experience with the PEX flexible tubing as a, a plumbing system type in, in a cabin. Well, when was that article on fine home building, Tom, about that whole plumbing system? Uh, I think it was the September or the October issue of Fine Home Building Magazine had a good story about PEX, and uh, they were very high on it. I have personally never installed PEX, and um, you know my tendency is to kind of wait and see how it shakes out because there's been bad experiences with plastic pipe in the past. If you go copper, you know, you can never go wrong. 
But the folks at Fine Home Building, who I greatly respect, did a lot of research on it and were very, very positive about the opportunities with it. It was easier to work with. It was less expensive. There were fewer connections. You could run it to more places. You you didn't have to worry about soldering and things of this nature. So, so far, it seems to be getting a pretty good reputation. So I think they're both good choices. It probably is going to come down to cost. Okay. And it would seem to me that PEX is a little bit easier for the do-it-yourselfer as well. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It definitely is easier than for the do-it-yourselfer. Because if you if you try to copper pipe yourself and you're not real familiar with it, you can get yourself in trouble really quickly. Doug, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Sean in Indiana listens on Discovery Radio Network, and you're thinking of adjusting your roof, not replacing it. What's going on? I am putting a hip roof on to my house, and I need to tied also uh, laterally into an existing roof, and I'm wondering how that connection should be made and, and how they all should all level itself out. Well, is the hip roof going to be like um, coming off, uh, say, parallel or per- I should say perpendicular to a, a regular gable roof? Um, yes, it's coming off exactly off a gable roof, and then as it, as it planes back, it's going to tie in to making a nice valley, but as that valley also comes across, it's going to be meeting into an existing garage roof. Okay, well, roof framing is probably one of the most difficult home improvement projects to do. It's something you really need a lot of experience with and a, and a very comprehensive knowledge of a framing square. That being said, generally the way you tie two roofs together is you put a sleeper down on top of the roof that's the old roof. So in other words, you might put, for example, a 2 by 8 on the flat right where the new rafters are going to attach. And then each one of them has a hip cut. So it goes, it has actually two angles, one one front and one to the side. Think of crown molding with a, with a compound angle on it. And that ties in to the sleeper. And then once that's in, then you sheath it and go from there. But again, it's not something that's a very simple do-it-yourself project, but it is something you want to get done just once and get done right, because if you don't do it right, it's going to look really, really bad, and it's going to signal amateurish work. So I would get some help and have a pro help you do that, because it sounds like it has a lot of intersections and it's got to line up just right. Sean, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Jane in Alabama's got some cracks in the ceiling. Tell us where you see them, what they look like. The biggest crack is in my living room. My living room measures about 30 feet long by 12 feet wide, and it's across the width of the room. One side of the ceiling where it's cracked hangs down, I'm going to say about a half inch lower than the other side. Is it a straight line? Does it seem like it's two pieces of drywall that have become separated, or is it all zigzaggy and crazy? Or is it a very old house where you have plaster cracks? It's it's an older house. It's probably about 40 years old. I don't know what the ceiling's made out of. Okay, because if the, if the plaster is cracked and it's hanging down like it's that... It's going to fall off. It could fall, and it's pretty heavy, dense stuff. So if it's loose in any way, you're going to want to pull the, pull that down before it comes down on its own, and then you're going to have to replaster that space. Well, is this the only place you're seeing a crack in the ceiling? Just two summers ago, when it was very, very dry and we didn't get any rain... I got uh, two other cracks, one, uh, both of them in the living room on two different walls. The cracks are kind of zigzaggy. Well, those are very common um, places for cracks. Um, I would suggest this, repair the cracks the best you can. And that means if the dry, if it's, if it's plaster, pulling it down and replastering it, if it's a simple drywall crack, you're going to want to use a perforated drywall tape, cover the crack, and then respackle over it. Yeah, but if, it, if it's a sheet of drywall that's hanging down, you're going to want to put some new screws in it and suck it back up to those ceiling joists. Yeah, the repair advice really depends on what kind of material it is. But if it's a 40-plus-year-old house, it's more likely to be plaster or plaster lath than it would be drywall. All right, Jane, now in terms of the cracks and whether or not it's an ongoing issue... 
Um, the best thing to do there is to consider having the home inspected by a professional home inspector who could take into account a lot of the factors that might be impacting that and make some suggestions to you as to how to stabilize it. It could have to do with your foundation, your grading, things of this nature that can make that space unstable. The kind of cracks, however, that you're describing to us, don't signify to me that you have a major problem. It sounds like pretty much normal wear and tear in an older house. They're always going to open up. Those, those cracks are always going to open up, especially around windows and doors. Those are the, that's the weakest part of the wall, and that's generally where it moves. I would go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. It's ashi.org, A-S-H-I dot O-R-G. Put in your zip code, find a home inspector in your area, and those guys are the best in the business. Okay, great. All right, Jane, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Gary in Nebraska is beefing up insulation in the house, and you've got a question about R-value. What can we do for you? Yes, we were trying to determine what the R-value of a existing wall was and wondered if we could stack uh, layers of styrofoam floor to ceiling and measure the uh, outside temperature, the temperature of the wall, and the room temperature and determine the R value of the wall by that. Well, if you tell me the wall construction, you can figure out what the R value of the wall is. What's the what's the wall physically made out of? Well, it's a it's a wood uh, siding and sheetrock, but without knowing what how much insulation is in the between. Uh, well, you, you can determine that. that. What you want to do is you want to take the outlet covers off, electrical outlets, get a strong flashlight, and you can usually poke around the area where the drywall is cut around the electrical outlet box and determine whether that whether or not that there is uh, insulation in there. Now, assuming it's a standard four-inch wall, two-by-four wall, and you have uh, three, uh, four inches of insulation in there, what you have is an R13 uh insulating uh, area and then the wood doesn't really add much to it so you can figure the total thing's probably got an R13 or R14 not very much but if you're trying to determine um, where you need to add insulation to your house the priorities should be Gary to start in the attic the, the ceiling is the first place you want to insulate that's where you have most of your heat loss so you do the attic first then you do the walls and then you do the floors in that order kind of working your way down if it turns out that the walls don't have insulation in it then you could also add insulation with a blown-in system but one way or the other you can get them warmed up gary thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit Hey, home improvement fans, now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just dial that magic number, 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, so you love the look of beautiful wood floors, gorgeous stone or ceramic tile, but you just can't afford the price? We're going to give you some tips we learned from the folks at Armstrong for an inexpensive solution that will definitely floor you. 888-MONEYPIT. So I finally found the perfect house for you. Isn't it cute? <laughs> Hardwood floors, remodeled kitchen, and look at that metal roof. Gee. <laughs> a metal roof? It looks so natural. It's gorgeous. Wow. Plus, metal roofing increases the value of your home and can reduce energy costs. Impressive. Now, about the kitchen. It's also maintenance-free and stands up to hail, high winds, and wildfires. So, ready to make an offer? Well, we'd like to look inside first. <laughs> really? Why? People who know about metal roofing love metal roofing. We call it investment-grade roofing because it adds value to your home and pays for itself many times over. In addition, it's built to endure for decades. To learn more, visit metalroofing.com. 
According to the authoritative residential cost handbook, a home's appraised value increases by $1.35 per square foot when it has a metal roof. Do the math and see why durable, beautiful, investment-grade metal roofing makes sense. For details or to find a contractor, log on to metalroofing.com. I want to keep my home for as long as I can because there are a lot of memories here. I read a little bit about making my house more comfortable and wanted to make my mom's house safer too. AARP told me about making mom's bedroom door wider and taping down her floor rugs. And I added handrails to our staircases. It was all simple and inexpensive thanks to AARP's tips. Now our homes fit our lifestyles and are ready for years to come. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at aarp.org slash universal home. Somewhere, a guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools let you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at the Home Depot. That's just beautiful. If your house could talk, it would probably tell you to call Roto-Rooter to take care of your plumbing and drain problems. Your home's plumbing system is worth about 8% of your home's value, so address small problems before they become big ones. Call the pros at Roto-Rooter for jobs, big or small, day or night, planned or even those emergencies. You'll get quality, on-time service from friendly, caring people. For local service, call Roto-Rooter at 800-942-ROTO or schedule online at rotorooter.com. Not all services available at all offices. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Dense Armor Plus, the revolutionary paperless drywall from Georgia Pacific. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. We're here, you're there. Just call us 1 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. So, do you love the look of natural floor materials like wood or ceramic or tile? but you just can't afford the very steep cost? Well, there is a solution, laminate floor. Laminate provides the realistic look of wood or tile or stone at a very low cost. I've got laminate floor that looks like stone, like very old stone in my kitchen, Leslie, and it looks- And I've got laminate floor that looks like wood. You do, and it looks Mm -hmm. fabulous, right? And my mom has a laminate floor that looks like stone. We just put it in her kitchen, it's gorgeous. One time, many years ago, when I was in the home inspection business, I was in the addition to a house that was built in the 1700s, and I noticed that there was a there was a laminate floor underfoot, and I asked the whole uh, cadre of people that were buying this house what kind of wood they thought it was, and they're guessing like oak, cherry, pine. Well, I think that. pine like, was no, of that it's, period. It's plastic. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> They felt very cheated, but it looks that good. So that's why laminate floor is is a really hot You're decorating like, trend. Clearly, it's like not now. original to the home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a it's a more recent period. <laughs> well, besides being less expensive, you know, laminate is extremely durable and it's far less apt to scratch than wood. It's also exceptionally easy to install because it's got interlocking pieces and they actually float over the floor rather than being attached to the subfloor with glue or nails. And it's as simple to put together like a puzzle. Exactly. Another benefit is the transition between the rooms. You know, some flooring materials are so thick that it makes it very, very hard to install them. But laminate floor is just a little more than a quarter of an inch thick. So it makes those transitions to adjoining rooms in your house very easy and very safe. It's also child and pet friendly because it does clean up quickly. And it's usually made of recycled material, so it's an environmentally responsible thing to do. 
A very good place to learn more about laminate floors is the website for Armstrong Floors at armstrong.com. They've got a new book out. It's a guide. It's called The Complete Guide to Flooring on armstrong.com. So check it out. Yeah, and you know what? It's a really nice website, and you can actually take the opportunity to look at how that flooring looks in a variety of room settings. It's not going to be your room, but you can see what it looks like installed because sometimes patterns can get busy, so it gives you an understanding of what's going on in that room. So make sure you check it out. Well, all right, folks, if the seasons are changing where you live, you're about to head back indoors for the next four to six months because it's going to be cold. But with homes being built tighter and being more energy efficient, we're actually trapping ourselves indoors with many airborne irritants, which can cause respiratory problems. Absolutely. And as a result, we've welcomed uninvited guests like dust mites, viruses, bacteria, and less ventilated homes trap in pollen and pet dander. So what do you do? We've got the solution. October is Indoor Air Quality Month, and we're giving away a great prize. Yeah, we're going to be giving away the April Air Model 5000 Electronic Air Cleaner, and it's an air cleaner for your entire house. It's a $1,000 value, and it could be yours if you register at MoneyPit.com. There's no purchase necessary. Your deadline to enter is October 31st. Read the complete rules on the entry page at MoneyPit.com. Leslie, let's get back to the phones. Who's next on the Money Pit? Len in Florida listens to the Money Pit on WWBA. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, ma'am. I was looking for some information on an air conditioner um, exhaust. It seems like to, it seems like it is continuously it's dripping out of the outside drainage. Even when the air conditioner is off, it still drains, and it's got a weird color drain. So you have condensate uh, dripping outside, and you think it's from the air conditioner, and it happens even when it's off? Well, that's, I can't explain that because it flies in the face of science. Uh, it could be that you, this is a summer problem predominantly. Uh, yes. Uh, do you have a condensate drain that's near the air conditioner? I've seen two drains, but uh, one of them is actually um, closed. It has like a, like a pipe that goes up into the air. Um, I guess that's to have some type of air in there. And then you have another one that just, that, that one is the one that follows out. And, and the second one is the one that's dripping water? Correct. Well, I mean, it might be that that's the condensate drain that it's ha- has hooked into the air handler inside the house. Uh, and, and even though the compressor is not spinning outside, the, uh, condense, the, the air conditioning air handler inside is still going to be causing moisture that's in the air to condense. That probably is dripping down to a condensate pump. The condensate pump kicks on. It pumps the water outside. So if that's what you're seeing, that is normal function. Sometimes, because it's constantly wet, it will grow algae and look blue or green, especially where it drips out. But again, that's normal function and nothing to worry about, Dan. Does that need to be blown out, the system blown out, do you think? No. No, I mean, if you don't like where the water's collecting, you can extend the, the line out so it drips off somewhere else, perhaps into your landscaping or irrigation. Um, but no, that sounds like it's normal operation. Len, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. And now a heating and cooling question from Jim in Iowa. What's going on? I was calling. I have a house that I just built about a year ago, and um, I have low air pressure coming out of my heating and cooling ducts to the upper floors. Okay. And you have a single zone system, Jim? Yes, sir, I do. The amount of air flow is directly proportional to the size and length of the duct systems. The simple thing you might want to check is for the presence of duct dampers. They're not that obvious, but they're little handles that would be sticking out of the sides of the duct. And you want to make sure that they're wide open, which means the handle is usually going to be parallel with the duct, not perpendicular to it. Just on the off chance that you have any baffles that maybe inside it's that have definitely have closed it off. Okay. Um, 
if that doesn't do it, now we need to really look at the duct design and try to figure out why you're not getting enough air up there. In order to properly cool that second floor, you're going to need both ducts that supply air and ducts that return it back. Usually, the returns are, are, are not put up or they're not installed properly or there's not enough of them in a situation where you're overheating one place of the house. So it's a combination of getting the supply and the return. There is a, another type of product called a duck booster, which is an inline blower that can be installed on the supply end of the register to pull more air through. But it's electric. It has to run you know, all the time to do its job. And I don't recommend it if you can get the duct's design tweaked to deliver more air. But Tom, since the house is only a year old, which means this heating and cooling system is only a year old, if it's improperly designed, is there any recourse with the manufacturer or the installer or the designer? There should be some recourse uh, visa the uh, homeowner's warranty. Did you get a warranty when you bought the place? Um, it was a, uh, there is a warranty with it. It's a, uh, where you become the general contractor. That where you become the general contractor. Hmm. Is there a process under the warranty for filing claims? Take a look, because, Leslie, you might be right, and it's really going to depend on whether or not you're, you can file it within the time limit, because it shouldn't have been done that way. But it sounds to me like there's a problem with the duct design, Jim. That's going to be the solution to it as well. Now, that's an interesting situation. You buy a brand-new home that's being custom-built, and you're in charge of making sure the job goes on I've time never and heard communicating of like with all of the contractors who are building? It doesn't make uh, any sense to me. I am very familiar with What if you have no new... knowledge about the process at all? I agree. I, I, have, I, have a lot of, I know a lot about home warranties, and I can tell you that if you buy a new house, uh, the builders give you a warranty, and they treat the warranty like it's this warm, toasty blanket that they're wrapping around you to protect you from things that could go wrong with the house. But in actual fact, it's more of a wet blanket. <laughs> it really is because there's a lot of holes in that warranty. And if you want to claim under that warranty, you better read it and follow it to the letter of the law or you won't get coverage. Because, you know, when I, years ago, I used to do arbitrations for uh, those warranty claims. Mm -hmm. And you'd see this, uh, you know, huge case file that the arbitration company would send you. And you could see the correspondence, you know, go from, uh, you know, dear Bill, so nice to see you the other day. Hope you enjoyed the coffee. When you have a chance, can you stop by and fix that leaky window? To you freaking idiot, you know, like six <laughs> months later. To the height of frustration. Exactly. You know, so, but seriously, I bet that warranty has no coverage, especially if you yourself become in charge of the project. Yeah. Then that means you are squarely responsible to make yeah. sure that things are done properly, installed properly, designed properly. And if you don't know, it's not going to be done right. Another reason to read the warranties first. Jim, thanks again for calling us at 888 Pit. Read that warranty. If you have any questions that you need answered, you can also write us to helpme at moneypit.com. Well, you probably have smoke detectors in your home, but do you have enough? And are they in the right places? Find out next when we talk to the head of the American Homeowners Association. You live in a money pit. Money pit. AARP is proud to sponsor the Money Pit. Visit www.aarp.org slash universal home to learn more about making your home more functional and comfortable for years to come. 
This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. From coast to coast and floorboard to shingles, call us now with your home improvement projects. Call us with your do-it-yourself dilemmas. Call us with the tips for the tips, the advice that you need to get those projects done around your house. 1-888-MONEYPIT. Well, speaking of projects that you should have done, or if not should do, let's talk about smoke detectors. You probably have them in your home, but most likely you don't think about them. They just sort of sit there and you hope they're working. But are they working correctly? Are they in the proper locations? Are they worn out? Did you know that smoke detectors can actually get worn out? You have to think about these things. They're important. Yeah, they're not just buy them one, stick them up there, and then they're good for life. And the fact is that your risk of dying in a home fire is actually cut down by half if you have a smoke alarm that's properly installed and regularly tested. Yet millions of U.S. homes have smoke alarms that don't work properly. One of them may actually be in your house. So joining us to talk about that is Richard Roll, the CEO of the American Homeowners Association. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Leslie. Great to be with you. Richard, I understand that this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart because a member of your American Homeowners Association family actually perished in a fire that was, uh, I'm not sure what the cause was, but certainly the fact that I understand there was no working smoke detector in this home uh, certainly led to those fatalities. You know, like most people, I didn't think a lot about smoke alarms. And in fact, uh, just for background, when smoke alarms were introduced widely around the country, they cut down deaths from home smoke, uh, home fires by uh, about half, and it's been really dramatic. But what's happened recently is that people have gotten a little bit in a, in a haze about smoke alarms, no pun intended. And, and we got a wake-up call that was very tragic when one of our very beloved employees, Ramona Holiday, and her two-year-old daughter died in an early morning fire because of a lack of a smoke detector. Yeah, and I understand her dad passed away, too, some, sometime later. It was really a, a tragedy. And, and, and is this something that, uh, you know, you, did she impress you as the type of person that would have always had a smoke detector? Do you think it was just an oversight? It, it, was, uh, it was a new uh, apartment in a house that she had moved into. The landlord had recently bought the property. The landlord was not knowledgeable about what his obligations were. And it was one of those things, everybody thinks that it can't happen to me because the smoke detectors are there, uh, la-di-da, it usually doesn't go off. And well, you think you're going to notice if something's on fire. You're like, I'm smart enough, I'll notice something. But the majority of these things happen while people are sleeping, and some folks don't even wake That's up exactly to the alarm. right. And, and uh, especially children under five have twice the risk of dying in an early morning home fire as anyone else. They are asleep, and they're not attuned to smelling smoke. In fact, when you're asleep, nobody's attuned to smelling smoke. It's something people should be aware of. We're talking to Richard Roll. He's the CEO of the American Homeowners Association about the importance of having a properly functioning smoke detector in your home. And, Richard, you um, say that there are some... Uh, very pressing smoke alarm-related issues today that perhaps we didn't have years ago and some common mistakes that can lead to fire-related tragedies. What are some of those errors that people are making? Well, the first thing is that people are not checking their smoke alarms every month and changing the batteries twice a year. You know, around this time of year, uh, when you change the clocks is the time that people here don't forget to change your smoke alarm batteries. And that warning is quite critical because lack of working smoke alarms is the cause of most home fire fatalities. And so many people borrow the batteries from the smoke detectors to use for something else and then just never put them back and completely forget about it. 
Leslie, everybody I speak to, and, and since we've gotten on this national smoke alarm safety campaign, everybody I've spoken to has had an anecdote about smoke alarms and how they've taken the batteries out to put in a kid's toy. The kid was crying, <laughs> needed batteries, that they've taken them out because of persistent uh, alarm going off when there's been smoke in the From kitchen. Cooking, yeah. Usually because they're not placed properly. You can't put a smoke alarm near where there's going to be a recurring cooking fire. You know, and also, Richard, I think that the technology in smoke uh, detectors has changed, and now they have detectors that are designed specifically for kitchens that have reset buttons on them, which are very convenient because you can have one. Of course, you do, we wouldn't want it over your range, but you could have one uh, certainly uh, within eyesight of a range, and if uh, you did occasionally burn some toast or something that set that off, you can hit a button and it actually goes off temporarily only for five or ten minutes to allow the smoke to clear. I think that folks don't understand that there is new technology out there. It makes it a lot more convenient and less of an issue. And the most important thing, again, is check your smoke detector batteries and realize that you probably need to replace the smoke alarm every 10 years. They do wear out. Yeah, if you imagine an appliance that was constantly cycling millions and millions of times, you would eventually uh, understand that that appliance is going to wear out. And that's exactly what happens to a smoke alarm. I mean, it's always constantly on. It's always constantly sensing the air that passes through it. And if it's more than 10 years old, it's just got to be replaced. There's just no two ways about it. And, Tom, that's one of the reasons that there are so many millions of smoke alarms that are not functioning. And, once again, people believe that it can't happen to them. But more people are dying every year now in America from fires relating to lack of working smoke alarms than from all the natural disasters occurring in the course of a year. Richard, I understand you guys have a campaign going on right now that's going to help uh, ensure that uh, every American has a working smoke detector. Talk to us about it. That's right, Tom. When this tragedy occurred so close to home for us, I realized this must be happening all over the country, that people are dying needlessly in home fires because smoke alarms aren't working or they don't have a smoke alarm. So I looked into it. I discovered this was happening to families with young children, to elderly people all over the country. In Falls Church, Virginia, Honesdale, Pennsylvania, San Diego, California, just everywhere. I said the American Homeowners Association needs to do something about that. So we launched a national campaign and pledged up to $5 million of smoke alarms that we are giving away to every landlord, every homeowner. To anyone who asks. Well, anybody, anybody who, in addition, they pay a $1.95 shipping and handling fee to get it, and they get a free 60-day trial in AHA to see all the benefits that they'll get there. And you're also offering a reminder service just to make sure that folks remember to change the batteries, correct? That's right, Leslie. And that, that reminder service is free to everybody. It's at www.ahahome/remindme. And the smoke alarm is available at www.ahahome slash save me. And those links will be available on our website. Richard Roll, CEO of the American Homeowners Association. Thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. Great work. All right, Money Pit listeners. Well, recent research by the AARP shows that making minor changes in your home can make your life easier for you today and help you stay in your same home longer. Up next, find out how to make minor changes that offer major conveniences. Money Pit! Table saw. 18-volt drill driver. 8-piece combo kit. You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With RYOBI, you can actually afford them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. And they sound really good, too. RYOBI. Exclusively at the Home Depot.
Did you know that the air inside your home can be up to 100 times more polluted than the air outside? No matter how clean you keep your home, it's littered with harmful contaminants like viruses, bacteria, and mold, pet dander, dust, and pollen. Contaminants that cause illness and make allergies and asthma much more severe. Thankfully, there's a way to make your home healthy. The April Air Electronic Air Cleaner. Using the best air cleaning technology available, April Air is the only whole home air cleaner that effectively removes harmful contaminants, even viruses, from the air your family breathes. And that makes your whole home a comfortable, healthy place to be. Your family deserves the best, so why not give them the best? Make your whole home healthier with the April Air Electronic Air Cleaner. April Air. Fresh ideas for indoor air. The walls in your home hold memories, hopes, dreams, and quite possibly, mold. You see, traditional drywall has paper on both sides, which combined with moisture can allow conditions that cause mold. That's why more people are insisting on a new paperless drywall called Dens Armor from Georgia Pacific. Unlike conventional paper-faced drywall, Dens Armor has glass mat facings on both sides. And no paper on the surface means one less place for mold to get started. It's that simple and that revolutionary. If you eliminate the paper, you reduce the chances for mold. If you're building or remodeling, stop feeding mold by using Dens Armor. To find out more, go to stopfeedingmold.com or ask about it at your local building supply retailer. When we've got a problem, the last thing we need is another problem. So when we've got a drain problem, I call Roto-Rooter. First, the Roto-Rooter guy shows up on time. I like that. Next, he takes a look at the problem and tells me how much it's going to cost. No surprises. you got to like that. Finally, when he's done, it's gone. The problem is gone. Guaranteed. That's how I like it. I make a call, the problem goes away. Too bad Roto-Rooter doesn't fix cars. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name, and away go troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. So AARP has a series of tips for homeowners who want to improve their homes, make them safer and more comfortable. And I found these tips on their website, aarp.org slash universal home. In the bathroom alone, I widened the door, installed brighter light bulbs, and put non-slip surfacing on the floor tiles. Instead of wishing my house had improvements, I'm making them. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at aarp.org slash universal home. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to AprilAir.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. Call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler, and I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, along the lines of making good homes better, some design features just make good sense. And once you've got them in your home, you're going to wonder how you ever lived without them before. Plus, you'll have no problem hosting friends and families of all ages. That's right. You know, the AARP suggests floors and bathtubs should have non-slip surfaces to help everyone stay on their feet. Also, good lighting is important. It helps people with poor vision, and it helps people with good vision, too. It's always a little bit dark in my house, and, and right now, this time of year, when the daylight is not lasting quite as long, 
I like to go around and change all the wattage on the bulbs to make sure I'm putting the biggest bulb in the light fixture that it can handle. So it's nice and bright and cheery and you can see what you're doing. Yeah, it's no fun to walk around in the dark. And you should think also about lever door handles and rocker light switches. They're great for people with poor hand strength, but other people like them too. You know, try using them when your arms are full of packages or laundry or a handful of kids and toys. You're never ever going to go back to knobs or standard switches again once you see how convenient it is. If you want some more info, you can go to aarp.org slash universal home. That's aarp.org slash universal home for lots of other ideas to make your life more convenient. Coming up in our next e-newsletter, we're going to have three more design tips to help your home stand the test of time. If you're not a subscriber to our free e-newsletter, sign up right now at moneypit.com. We're giving away a great prize this hour. We've got everything you need to keep you snug as a bug in your home this winter. This is the perfect time of year to seal up all those cracks around your windows and doors and make sure everything seals up nice and tight to keep that cold air out and keep that warm air in. It's a winterizing kit worth more than 170 bucks, and it's from DAP. We're going to give it to one one caller we choose this hour at random. It includes Daptex window and door foam sealant, DAP seal and peel, removable weather strip caulk, DAP sidewinder, advanced polymer siding and window sealant, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, this to is keep the DAP toasty. truck delivery, yeah, really. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's like three pages of like stuff that they're gonna give you. So call us right now to qualify one eight 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 Money Pit. You must be willing to come on the air and ask your home improvement question. Leslie, have you ever seen that seal and peel stuff? It's really fantastic. It's so good if your windows are just sort of drafty once they're closed and you can't really figure out how to fix that. You can just put this caulk in and it peels itself out. Well, you peel it out when you're done with it and it seals that window shut. So for the whole winter, yeah, it's like temporary. Yeah, for caulk. the whole winter, your windows glued cool shut idea. and there's not a single air leak. It's a cool idea that will keep you warm. Get it? 888 Money Pit is the phone number 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Kitchens offer number one return on investment, and that's what Mike in Idaho is doing. How can we help? Hey, I have a good question for you, I think. I have an old uh, uh, kitchen with a Formica countertop on it. Do I actually have to pull that all off, or can I go right over the top of that? What are you putting on top of it? Uh, that's a good question. Can I put more Formica <laughs> on it, or could I uh, put the tile on it? Well, you could go right on top of it with another layer of Formica. Or laminate. Um, I've done that myself. You got. I, last time I did it, I sanded the old stuff, so it roughed it up a bit. Then I used the uh, the uh, solvent-based contact cement, not the latex-based, and it worked fine. It's, it's lasted to this day. It's in a it's in a condo that I own that we rent out. If you're going to put tile, I don't see why you couldn't put the tile on top of it because I know the glue is going to stick to that. Yeah, as long as you've got an even level surface, you can go for it. Okay, do I, if I put tile on that, uh, what's the procedure on that then? Still go ahead and sand that and just put the mud down and the tile on top? Oh, yeah, I would definitely scuff it up just so you give better adhesion because if the surface is very smooth and slick, it might stick, but it could cause some shifting and movement if things don't really adhere. So give it some scratches and scuffs to get it a place to stick to. Fantastic. All right, enjoy that new countertop. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Mark in Indiana, you're up. How can we help? Yes, I have a home that's about five years old. Okay. It has vinyl siding, and up on the top uh, connection where it connects in, it seems to always come unsnapped in two different spots in the house. I'm wondering, how do you keep this from reoccurring? Uh, when it comes unsnapped, you get up there and like pop it back in? Correct. There's a little tool called a zipper tool that most siding contractors have that can help uh, reassemble that entire joint because I suspect that you're not locking it in place when you push it back in. 
and it would be very hard for you to do that um, at this point. So the next time it pops out, call a siding contractor. It will be a very quick, inexpensive repair for them to come back in and reassemble those sections of siding so that they lock together. Okay, because it seems like it does snap in, but evidently it's not. No, apparently it's not, and, and they can address that with the right kind of tool. It's a specialty problem. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, Mark, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, water, water everywhere. It's one of the most popular questions we get here at the Money Pit. Up next, we're going to help one homeowner figure out exactly where it's coming from and how to stop it. So stay with us. You live in a Money Pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, available right now by calling one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. How do I know that someone will pick up the phone if they happen to call right now? Maybe it's the show's not live right now. Maybe I'm busy right now. Maybe I recorded it on the podcast and it's three in the morning. And right now I have a question for you guys. Here's how we know: twenty four seven three sixty five. Our call screeners are always standing by to take your calls to one eight 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 Money Pit Live. Also, you can email us by logging onto our website at moneypit.com and click on Ask Tom and Leslie. Lots of folks do every single week. Let's get to some answers. All right, here we've got one from Deanna in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, who writes, My husband and I are first-time homebuyers, which I know is a very, very scary thing. They're in a townhouse, and after heavy rains, they notice a lot of standing water on the back patio. It's a concrete area, and sometimes they get a small leak around the interior corner of the patio doors and walls on either side of the patio door. They've tried caulking the interior door frame and exterior around the door. They even dug a trench around the cement patio to prevent standing water. But she writes, after a recent heavy rain, we noticed that the carpet and padding were soaked Mm. and it extended further into the room. Dried them out. It rained again. Same thing happens. Now there's a foul odor. This never happened before. What did they do? You know, I'm thinking that um, this may be two problems. Uh, number one, obviously, they've got some leaks around the patio door that need to be addressed. And number two, uh, it sounds like it's a slab-on-grade house. And so if you have a lot of water that's being deposited in the patio area, that's going to saturate the foundation, which is very hydroscopic. That's my SAT word for today, hydroscopic. <laughs> Meaning it's going to uh, suck the water it's through suck itself. suck the water up, exactly. And an engineer once taught me that if you had a solid concrete column and it was, say, six inches in diameter and you stuck it in an endless supply of water, that water would walk its way all up the column to some point where the weight of the water would overtake the weight of gravity and stop advancing. But you know where that point is? It's like a mile. Really? Yes. So that's how strong water is. Water can certainly come up six, eight, ten inches and saturate the floor. What do you do about it? That's why you wrote us. Here's what you need to do about it. I think you're going to need to take that patio out, and I think you're going to need to do some drainage right around the foundation perimeter to try to keep the water away. And because this is a townhouse, you may have an issue with the association because you could have site drainage issues here that are causing the problem as well, Deanna. If the buildings are too close together, if one building is running water into the other building, you need to put, need to put in a curtain drain to carry that away. That's something, obviously, you couldn't do, but your association could do. So it's a lot of work, but it's got to get done because that foul odor might mean more. Leslie. 
Yeah, absolutely. And make sure you ask the association before you do any of that work because you don't want to spend that money and then just have to put it right back. So do it once, do it right. Well, sometimes saving money is as easy as the flick of a switch. Leslie explains in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. You love using your dishwasher, don't you? And I, I don't do. mean your husband standing there, and I don't mean your wife, Tom, standing there with the rubber gloves on washing those kids. dishes. Or the kids. <laughs> I'm talking about that dishwasher that's underneath your counter in your kitchen. But it's costly, right? Water bills, energy bills. Well, if you want to cut your dishwasher energy costs by one-third, it's simple and so easy. Most automatic dishwashers have a power dry switch to speed up the drying process. You know, they heat it up immensely hot and those dishes become instantly dry. But if you're not going to run another load right away, just turn that switch off. Air dry them, folks. The dishes are still going to dry spotless and you're going to save about one third of those energy costs. And it's a good idea to prop even the door open a little bit. Just undo that latch, let some air get in there, let them dry out and save that money. Excellent advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Up next week, if you've got a generator to get you through winter storms, you are being very smart. But there's no reason to get caught in the dark or end up with a fridge full of spoiled food because your home has lost power. We're going to make sure you know exactly how to use your generator safely. We'll tell you what you need to know next week on the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Hey, hey, hey,